In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our sermon text is the Gospel according to St. Luke. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. Amen. There were two virgins. One was perfect, and the other a sinner. One trusted what her eyes saw, and the other believed in the impossible. One submitted to God's purpose for her, and the other did not. One heeded God's word, and the other rebelled against it. But it was not the perfect one who listened, but the sinner. Nor was it the sinner who rebelled, but the perfect one. And to top it all off, both were alike, for each one bore the first child of a new human race, though one did so naturally, and the other did so supernaturally. Thus we have two virgins, a sinner who models godliness, and a perfect one who shows us what we sinners keep doing. Shall we learn from what Eve not to do? Shall we exemplify the faith of Mary? Today we see our gospel text turns our attention to the example of Mary. She is indeed faithful. She receives God's word and is willing to live under it and by it. Certainly she knows, even in this moment, the hardship she is sure to face. She recognizes the issue. She's a virgin. She has no husband. Although she is betrothed and committed to marriage. And she will have no husband before this child comes because the angel makes clear that the baby will not come in the normal way. The Holy Spirit will come and place Jesus into her womb. It will be a supernatural conception. And therein lies the problem Mary will face. She will be pregnant outside of marriage. The assumption, which is normally a good one, will be that she committed some act of adultery. She could be stoned to death for breaking the sixth commandment. <clears throat> she will, at the very least, face scorn and ridicule for having a child out of wedlock. Still, in spite of this, she declares herself God's servant. Or more accurately, she literally declares herself to be God's slave. She follows this up with an agreement to let all that has been said to her happen to her. She will not deny it. She will not oppose it. She will dutifully do what God has said. She will be obedient. Now, does this obedience make her the co-redemptrix? Well, better not. Mary is not perfect. As such, she would ruin our salvation if it depended on her, even in part. For Mary's failures are shown in Luke's account of the gospel. Mary loses her 12-year-old son at Passover, having trouble understanding his role as the Messiah. She also, along with Jesus' brothers or cousins, 
tries to persuade him to abandon his disciples and come to them, come home with them. On the one hand, Mary exemplifies faith. And yet she also shows that she struggles with that faith at times. She is not perfect. But still, she shows us how to live in faith. She shows us how faith acts and how faith receives God's word. This is how we are to be also. We are to live in the same kind of faith. But this is hard for the same reason it was hard for Mary. The world will not understand our living in faith any more than it would have understood Mary saying, Honest, I don't know a man. And I haven't known a man. The Holy Spirit has granted me this child. This means we should expect the world to treat us with scorn, contempt, and even violence. It will not accept us acting in faith. It will not understand us following our Lord's commands when the rest of the world has declared such to be wrong, unloving, or evil. The world will say that worshiping during a pandemic is wrong, maybe even evil. The world will say that, call, that calling sex outside of marriage immoral is a crime. The world will say that coveting is okay as long as you want people's stuff to be equally distributed. The world will say that lying is okay if you can achieve good by it. The world will say that murdering babies is okay if it improves your or someone else's life. But you and I know that God speaks against all this, and we cannot be party to it. We cannot idly accept it. We must face the world's scorn as we stand for the truth. We must face the world's hate as we stand for true love of our neighbor, doing what is in his best interest. We must face attacks and even death as we stand for what is good and right. We must speak God's word in the face of the world's lies and even in the face of the world's unwillingness to listen. We must live holy and pure lives, but we do not. We sin. We fail. We, too, have taken the fruit of the tree of which we were not to take. We coveted what wasn't ours and snatched it. We claimed to be gods. Are we condemned with Eve? Well, certainly our sin condemns us. Certainly we deserve death instead of life. Was this the fate of Eve? No, no. Both Adam and Eve grabbed onto the promise of God. The promise given in Genesis 3 that the Messiah would come, a Savior, a child of Eve. He would crush the serpent's head. They began to look for this Savior to come. When Eve gave birth to Cain, her exclamation indicates that she thought this child was the promised one. She thought God was fulfilling his promise right there and then. Of course, she was mistaken, and she learned that in the most horrendous way. 
But she and Adam clung to the promise and passed the word on to their children, some of whom also believed. Eve was saved because she also believed in Christ Jesus and looked for his coming. We are saved from condemnation in the same way. Through trusting Christ Jesus, the baby born of the Virgin Mary. As Gabriel explained, Jesus was the name of her son, and he would be both God and man, son of the Most High and son of David. <clears throat> and he would establish his kingdom and reign forever. And this is exactly what Jesus did at the cross. He established his rule and reign over the world. He set up his kingdom by shedding his human blood. He alone took the sins of the world upon himself and he delivered Mary, Eve, and you. He won us forgiveness by dying in our place. He won us the victory over death and hell. And all this he has given you in baptism. He has made you a citizen of his kingdom and he has made you to be his people, his holy nation, his family. And so you are by his grace and mercy. God's favor is shining upon you. His mercy is granting you release and peace. Today, today we rejoice in his peace as we eat with him at his table. For he has welcomed you here to sit with him in his kingdom as you await the day when his kingdom will be fully unveiled for all to see. The peace of God which passes understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord until he comes again. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.